0: Friendship Power Flop. Friendship Power Flop. Let's go Shonen Flop. Let's go Shonen Flop.
1: Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Cool Shock BT, and we're joined by our guest today, Tucker, from our very own team of Team Shonen Flop.
2: Do I actually qualify as a guest? You're not normally on the show. Normally, I'm in shonen flop gaiden island but now i've come onto the mainland is this the work of a uh, enemy stand <laughs> this is like an mmo
1: event or it's like uh it's a crossover, it's yeah. a
0: crossover.
1: <laughs> this is the batman versus superman of shonen flop podcasting
2: the super friends
1: yes we're because we're all friends here tucker is terry mcginnis and we're batman
2: mm, i think i'm older than both of y'all though maybe yeah i'm th-
1: i'm 30 then yeah i'm 29 i think we talked about this before like for some reason a lot of people on our discord are 29 years old
2: would you also like me to share my social security number real quick
1: yeah that would be great hey baby you're cute what's your credit card number (laughs) all right and then speaking though of numbers why don't we actually get into talking about the chapter details and how long this series ran we're gonna call it Shock bt but it actually has a few different names because it really you know it's an older series there's a lot of different ways to interpret it so it's also been known as magic boy bt or magical bt tucker though i'd really be curious why did you feel Cool Shock BT was the name that you personally suggested we use for the show?
2: Because that is the name that Araki chose himself for the English title of it. Title of the series has two separate names, one English, one Japanese. It's actually pretty common for manga to do that. Probably the most famous example right now is Attack on Titan. If you think about it, that name makes no sense whatsoever, and that's because it was chosen by the author for the English title. The title in Japanese is Shingeki no Kyojin, which literally means like the attacking Titans and stuff like that. And and so this series, the Japanese version of it is Ma shonen BT. Ma being magic, a kanji that means like magic and Shounen being boy. But the Ma is the same Ma that was in a previous series that we covered, oh Ooh. And so the Ma has this connotation. It like is the same Ma you use when like, you know, Majin, you know, in Dragon Ball Z where you have like Majin Vegeta. Yeah. It like means magic, but it also means like demon. It has like a kind of a slight slightly sinister tone to it yeah and also Araki did this for another series he did which is Thus Spoke Kishibe Rohan the actual Japanese name for that is totally different it's I forgot how it's pronounced in Japanese but it's Kishibe Rohan does not budge or Kishibe Rohan does not move
0: I guess he just wanted a thus fake uh, or thus spoke Zarathustra reference. I also know
1: something else interesting is I heard that because of the use I think of that kanji, the series actually had trouble originally being published because Shonen Jump in the eighties had like an anti-Satanism rule and because it shared like the name with Satan or something, Araki had to explain that it was like not the intention of the series or something like that.
2: At the time, it was like Shonen Jump protagonists were expected to be kind of like Peter Pan goody two-shoes sorts who are like, just like, think of like Kenshiro and Goku and stuff like that. The good guys, but this series, the name of it and the content of it suggested a more morally gray protagonist, which was something that Shonen Jump was really not going for at the time and still doesn't really go for that often.
0: It's true, because I'm pretty sure like all- some alternate titles I saw for it included like devil boy bt demon boy bt which makes sense because you got ma you got shonen which means boy bt and then i also saw some people uh translate bt's name as like Beatty.
2: yeah that's just because in katakana it's bt like that so you could say it's like bt or something like that Mm, betty obviously araki meant for it to be the initials bt those are bad translations
0: i mean according to the
2: translator's notes the name bt comes from oh man what's the guy's name Araki has maybe talked about this stuff. I think he's given some different answers in interviews, but the most common explanation for where the name BT comes from is the manga manga author Buichi Terasawa, who created the manga series Cobra, which had the anime adaption in the 80s called Space Cobra Adventure.
0: Damn right it did.
2: That series is super popular in France. France. <laughs> And so Luc Besson, the uh, director of The Fifth Element, that is a huge inspiration of him, of his. And so when The Fifth Element came out in France, he actually met up with Buichi Terasawa and hung out with him. And they talked about science fiction and stuff like that.
0: That makes so much fucking sense, honestly. Jordan, I think you talked a little bit about Cobra in the Chibi
1: episode that came out last week.
0: I did. I'm, uh, somewhat familiar with Cobra because, as I mentioned on there, a YouTube channel that me, that me and David used to watch called Retsu Prey yep. did a series on Space Adventure Cobra where they commented on a long play of a really bad Cobra adventure game that got put out in the 80s. So <laughs> I'm a little bit familiar with the general tone of it and I'm not at all shocked that it influenced development. I absolutely see that. Yeah. That
1: was actually a really cool it. Then just to get into about the series itself, this was done by Araki, as we've said creator of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, I think he is probably a man that does not need much more explanation. He's been literally creating manga non-stop since like the 80s even now, Jojo's on its 8th part Jojo Leon, and the crazy thing is, Jojo Leon is a very strong contender for what might be the best part of Jojo, so that showed that he unlike some other creators that maybe created for a little too long, like, you know, Toriyama really has kind of lost his touch, to be honest Araki's really been kept through it, even as he's creating manga in his 50s and 60s.
2: You could say a lot about Araki, but not having enough ideas is not something the- could say about him absolutely yeah that dude can just that dude is like i need more manga I have too many ideas that's why part four happened it was supposed to end at part three it's just like i have too many ideas i knew what did i say what did i
0: say in the chibi episode david i said that after part three you can kind of tell that iraqi felt like he was done with the main series i knew it yeah
2: and it was also super popular so Shonen Shonen Jump was like yeah sure keep going yes money throw money at you keep it going yes
1: yeah but one series that did not get to keep going was Cool Shock BT because this ran literally for six chapters (sighs) yeah I know it had a six page pilot in Fresh Jump a magazine that doesn't exist anymore in 1982 (laughs) and it ran in the actual weekly Shonen Jump from September 20th to November 22nd 1983 for six chapters though each chapter is about twice the length of a regular chapter so it's more like effectively the series had 10 or 11 chapters yeah but either way the entire thing fit in one volume
0: yeah this was still shorter than like our, our usual read-throughs even with the double chapters this is not a bg
1: situation that was a lot yeah we were like 15 chapters no problem and then each one was like 60 pages and we we're like fuck yeah <laughs> And our guest didn't even read the whole series. He just jumped around and couldn't even tell because how much, how padded that series was. But I think that's really all I have to say about the series itself. I would love to hear, Jordan, your plot summary when we go into talking about the manga right now.
0: Hell yeah! On Friday the 13th at 1313, a young boy named Koichi meets his soon-to-be best friend, a mischievous little thief known only as BT. BT is a kid who uses parlor tricks and sleight-of-hand techniques to manipulate people into doing what he wants. Since his parents have mysteriously gone away, BT lives with his grandma, who seems to have taught him everything he knows. The series is really broken down into small vignettes told by Koichi about things BT has done. First, at summer camp, BT gets bullied by a douchey older kid, so he puts a giant Asian horse it into the pocket of the kid's friend and tricks him into thinking that the bully was the one who put it there, leading to the bully's friend stabbing the bully in the fucking gut. After that, BT gets jealous of a popular upperclassman getting too close to a girl he a crush on. So he tricks the guy into thinking he killed someone and promises to keep it a secret in exchange for $1,000 and a promise to never talk to her again. They get worried that the guy actually died, but it turns out that he just had a concussion, which no one cared about in the 80s, so don't worry about it. Next, the boys are accosted by two weird Nazi cosplayers who just want to harass kids for some reason and BT uses some confusing Iraqi bullshit that I can't even begin to explain in order to knock them out and steal their wallets. Araki tries to like show his homework But that section I was like
1: fuck it this is just magic
0: Yeah it's like whatever okay But unfazed by a near death Experience with the Nazis BT tricks Koichi into helping him steal A dinosaur skull from a museum Where they have to fight off a creepy security Guard who wants to shove chewing gum up Koichi's ass. In reality though BT was being manipulated by his grandma Into breaking into the museum in the first place Creating a diversion for a gem Stealing scheme that she herself was Engaged in. Finally in the last chapter A kid pretends to get hit by Koichi's dad's car and then uses their sympathy and fear of legal punishment to help his family take over their house and take Koichi's dog. However, BT gets them taken away by ambulance by tricking the kid into actually getting hit by a car and hospitalizing his family with poison. The end. Bye bye.
1: Which is a perfectly normal thing for a teenage kid to do in such a situation is to poison people. And he uses a very, very specific kind of poison, which what it does is it reacts with alcohol in your system so that's how he poisons the entire kid's family except for the kid himself
0: try this at home kids I love it because you 100% know that a rocky came up with that because he was just reading something about that. Like, the way that poison is, the, the quote-unquote poison, it's kind of used for alcoholics. Basically, it makes your body have a strong negative reaction to alcohol for a limited period of time. So, he poisons the family of, uh, of this kid, tells them that it was blowfish poisoning, which is incredibly deadly, and then everyone except the kid collapses because he was a kid and didn't drink alcohol. So, I guarantee you Araki was just reading about this kind of thing that makes alcohol like bad for alcoholics and it was just like hmm hmm how
1: can i use this i would not be surprised if every chapter iraqi went to like a random page in an encyclopedia <laughs> and then he was like all right that's what i'm doing on like he probably nowadays he would just hit the
0: random button on wikipedia i guarantee you Araki had like checked out a book on magic tricks from the library before he started writing with Shop bt
2: Oh, yeah, he obviously did that, and we see that in part two of JoJo's, where Joseph uh has a similar fascination with magic tricks in incorporating that into his fights with the Pillar Men and other enemies, and that's in that part of JoJo's.
0: Yeah. There is definitely a similarity. Part
1: two is a part of Jojo, I think, that feels the most influenced by Cool Shock, besides obviously Dio. We can get into that later, because let's just go through the like two or three characters actually matter in the series real quick before we start really getting into our higher level feelings about the series. I'll just kick things off. The main character, BT, it was never said what BT stands for, and he's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes ripoff. He is kind of like a prototype of Dio. There's a lot of physical resemblance, there's a lot of personality resemblance, and he is kind of the scrawny kid that really tries to manipulate people out of different situations just by using his wits using different tricks he has like a bag of holding that has whatever object he needs at any time and then he is a pretty fucked up person like he has no problem getting people stabbed poisoning people lying to people and getting people pretty seriously injured just so he can continue to be kind of manipulating situations
0: and get what he wants i love bt i think he's a fucking great character he's very much like the first draft of dia from phantom blood i would say
2: yeah My thoughts on BT change. I warmed up to him. Like, especially that summer camp incident. They straight up say like, oh yeah, this could kill someone. The hornet, I looked it up in that giant Asian hornet. That is the murder murder hornets. Yeah. And they even have a page in there that says like, note from the editor, don't try this at home, kids. We're not responsible if you get stung and die. Like...
1: (laughs) Absolutely insane.
2: BT, is is he evil or whatever? Because it seems like, am I supposed to be, like, identifying with BT at all here? I think as it goes on, especially the last two chapters or so, I think Araki starts to figure out how to write BT better to make him not quite as, like, diabolical, and he still is cold and calculating and stuff like that, but he typically only does that towards people. Like, he says- who have it coming.
0: I actually like how evil and twisted <laughs> twisted E.T. is a lot of the time because I think what you said about um Shonen Jump protagonists is very interesting to look at in comparison to this series because you're right, all the other Shonen Jump protagonists are very much like goody little two-shoes and stuff. I would say that here, I feel like Araki tries to skirt around that by having Koichi, who is kind of a goody little two-shoes, be the point of view character, but it's so fascinating to follow this kid because the manga also at never, at no point is like, no, you really should think of this kid as a good guy. The manga wants you to think he's fucked up, you know? It's something that, like, you just don't see in a lot of shonen manga even today. I totally understand why Araki stands out, just from that. Huh stands out? Uh,
2: ah, Jordan, so clever. Yeah, BT is the sort of kid like you hang out with, you don't like think he's like maybe uh, the best guy in the world, but you keep being friends with him because he doesn't do anything bad to you, and if you hang out with him, you know something weird and fucked up and interesting is going to happen. You know you're going to have stories to tell.
0: But BT started to get a lot of depth towards the end, especially the chapter where they break into the museum, and it turns out that BT 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 was manipulated by his grandma, like, it's clear that BT gets his callousness from his grandma, who basically just straight up says, yeah, I don't care if you guys got arrested, whatever, you're just kids, you will be fine. What I loved is that Araki just drew BT's face reacting to that with, like, this stone, unchanging expression, and it just said so much about his character, and how he feels about his grandma, and how he feels, like, very alone, and it's like, yeah, of course he manipulates people, look what his grandma does.
1: Yeah. That scene was a little weird because it turns out and he knew his grandma was gonna do that and he counter bamboozled her, which I felt kinda took away from the sincerity of him legitimately losing in his own element.
2: Yeah. It feels like Araki still, like, always wanted these stories to have BT getting the upper hand in the end, and I'm not sure if that was really the right move to end that chapter that way.
1: Yeah, BT seems to be incapable of losing, but we'll we'll go into that into, like, the things that it didn't do so well. I just want to move on to the next character. Tucker, would you like to talk about Koichi, where it's so interesting that he named a character in Cool Shock BT after a character from Part 4 of Jojo?
2: Yeah, like, when uh, Araki, he got that copy of Diamond is Unbreakable, it just showed up in his microwave uh, one day during a (laughs) lightning storm and he's like oh shit uh this is some cool stuff wait a minute i wrote this in the future (laughs) so koichi is the narrator of the series he is the our point of view character pretty mild-mannered kid he doesn't have a very strong characterization other than i think he's like a good storyteller he's like definitely calling people out on their bullshit and reacting to people in kind of a sort of speed wagon-y sort of way. He does get some guts every now and again when he needs to, and he starts getting, growing closer to BT as it goes along, and they get more of a, maybe a little bit of BT starts to rub on off on him a little bit. But the thing is is that Koichi definitely was a prototype for the other Koichi. He serves basically the same exact
0: purpose in this Manga that he will eventually serve in Diamond is Unbreakable.
2: Right. And in both part four and part five, the uh, manga opens with we have Koichi narrating, talking about, hey, let me tell you about this time I ran into this one person. And that's directly how BT starts. That rules. The beginning of part four of JoJo's is specifically Araki like bringing back the BT stuff. And I think especially a lot of the Koichi and Rohan stuff is specifically supposed to be like. Araki channeling Cool Shock BT, and also, part four, the Tao de Morio is based off of this hometown of Sendai,
1: That makes a lot of sense. They also have a very strong physical resemblance. Like, I would say, facially, they look very similar.
2: Yeah, basically, uh, take Koichi from Jojo's Part 4's face, chop off his hair, and then get Midoriya from uh, My Hero Academia's hair, paste that onto his head, and then color it jet black. And boom, you have Koichi from Cool Shock BT. Real quick, though, so Rohan's series that he writes in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is called Pink Dark Boy. Dark Boy Ma Shonen. Everything that Rohan is writing is basically... Basically a reference to Cool Shock BT.
1: That's awesome. I'm pretty sure, actually, the volume of Cool Shock BT actually can be seen in the manga, in Rohan's library. <laughs> that rules. Jordan, I'll let you talk about the fucking smartest grandma in Japan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a lot of smart grannies in Japan. She's definitely up there, though. BT's grandma is raising BT. Like, the house where BT stays in is clearly her house. His parents are somewhere far away, or maybe they died in a fire. It's, it's a little confusing, I think intentionally so. But, uh, no, she is clearly some kind of master thief when um koichi goes into bt's house she's talking with this much younger girl and we don't really know what they're talking about until they break into the museum and it turns out that the girl was being basically uh commissioned by bt's grandma to break into the museum as well in order to steal information on where to get a bunch of diamonds
2: it's a little bit confusing in there but it seems that they were saying that because they were like oh, this uh, museum slash mall, which it's it's both. It's a weird combination. It's probably a Japanese thing. I was just gonna say that, yeah. They say that it's like, oh, this part of this jewel uh, smuggling operation made it seem like she was doing it for the police? I thought that too, yeah. So maybe she's like a private detective or something? I got the feeling that Araki really wanted to go into more detail about the granny and have that be a mystery that's revealed over time because the granny shows up in the very first introductory chapter. She's like at the very last panel where they say like, oh, we've been canceled. Bye. She's there as part of like the three characters. So obviously Araki wanted to do a lot more with her character and just didn't get the chance.
0: And there was clearly a lot more there, yeah. She's like a white hat thief. I think that was my favorite chapter until
1: they kind of muddled the ending. But yeah, and speaking though of kind of the serious cancellation, do you guys want to kind of start delving into the areas you think it just didn't do so well and why it failed?
0: Yeah, although I will say I, I was actually kind of okay with that ending because the way that it ends is uh, BT uh, is able to steal some of the jewels and then he gives a couple of them to Koichi. And I, I liked that because it was one of the few like selfless things that BT does. It's a friendship fee.
2: That entire story arc is actually also a musical reference, too, to uh, Run the Jewels.
1: <laughs> Again, time machines allow a lot. I was actually waiting when you guys were talking about jewelry to make a Diamond is Unbreakable reference. Ooh, I see. All right, we'll see if we can make a reference to every single JoJo part in this
0: episode. I think Steel Ball Run's the only one we haven't mentioned. I mean, we have quite a tendency to talk about these things. Well, what do you think BT stands for, huh? If not Battle Tendency? You can actually make that because I still think (laughs) Battle Tendency
1: has the most lineage to this series out of all the JoJo parts. Definitely. Speaking of parts, let's move to the next part, Why It Failed. Fuck, I can just use that for every segue. Damn, (laughs) it's gonna be so easy. Jordan, take it away with, what did you think really the series didn't do so well?
0: Well, the art is rough. I came around on the art pretty soon. It's a very different style than we're used to. As I mentioned on the Chibi episode, that's because a year after this, Fist of the North Star came out, and Fist of the North Star really influenced Araki into changing his art style very clearly. But this art is interesting. It feels a lot more like a gag manga style of art, which I think works because this isn't as much of an action thing. But like, the thing where I really think it like it kind of fails is that at some points, like, it's very confusing to figure out what the fuck just happened. The craziest and most confusing thing that happens is they're being attacked by these two weird, creepy Nazis. At one point, one of the Nazis just suddenly becomes hypnotized and BT is able to trick him into acting like an ostrich and
2: collapsing. They explain that later. He doesn't actually hypnotize him.
0: Yeah, but it's a bullshit explanation is what I'm saying. Yeah. The explanation that they give is that BT tied fishing line around the guy's tooth or something else and then attached it to a car that was speeding away from him. And I guess that somehow caused him enough pain where he was dazed and confused enough for BT to manipulate him into acting like an ostrich. It doesn't ruin it for me. It just doesn't
2: make any sense. It's bullshit, but do you believe it? No. Okay.
0: I know
1: you were making a part five reference with that. There's a very, so for dear listeners, for who don't know, there's a very famous scene. One of the characters says, that's bullshit, but I believe it. The main character, Chorno,
2: Fun fact that actually never happens in the manga. That's actually just a joke that was inserted into that image. Oh, really? In the original panel, Jorno's not saying anything. They just pasted on those uh text bubbles.
1: I'm learning a lot in this episode, Tucker. Thank you for being on. Also, how did he find a way in the midst of like fighting to tie a string around someone's tooth? That's a pretty invasive thing. Uh,
2: he did the exact same thing that Joseph did to get all those grenades onto uh, onto Straits's uh coat.
0: That's another thing. I buy a lot of that shit in JoJo because the people doing it have superpowers and can do things that are absolutely weird anyway. Like, Haman can justify pretty much any bullshit that Joseph pulls as long as you try. But as far as I know, these are just kids. Yeah, there's
1: no explanation. We'll go into what it did well, but that's why I like the dinosaur thief because it kind of was a very similar situation, but he didn't have quite as much bullshit.
2: Yeah. But uh, something else about the art, it's much harder to follow than a lot of... Of Jojo stuff especially later Jojo stuff one of my very favorite things about Jojo's and Araki's art in general is the three dimensionality of it Araki is very much influenced by Italian sculpture and when he's writing he has these giant reference books that are just pictures of renaissance sculptures that makes so much sense and he uses that as a reference for his you know his famous poses and stuff like that but have you ever noticed the way he draws characters faces he shades them in a way to look very three dimensional that you can see that there's a left side of his face in the right side of the face and a front of the face and they're all getting shadows in a different direction but here back then Araki obviously hadn't developed that as well yet so a lot of this stuff is much flatter and so it makes it a lot harder to see the relationship between different actors and different things in the environment, the relationship to each other and so when you have more complicated things like the weird knife thing in the Oji-san X chapter, the Nazi chapter.
0: Yeah that was weird.
2: <laughs> I get what you're going for Araki, you're not convinced this well in your drawing, and so you just have to lean on the written description of it, and it just makes it all muddled, and you can't really tell what the F is going on very well.
0: That is another one of the manga's biggest issues. It relies on explanation too much. Like, there's too many instances where a character has to come in, usually Koichi, and be like, okay, so that was weird, but let me explain to you why that happened. And that's something that I feel like Araki gets way better at
1: in later series. Yeah, and it shows you like how the illusion doesn't work from a different angle.
2: Yeah. In this exact same scene, there's an example of that, where they say, like, how did BT, like, not get run over? Well, BT threw a rock first, and then the, the driver saw it, and knew he was there, and so it, it was able to swerve out of the way. It's like, no! Show the driver seeing the rock getting there, noticing that, and then swerving out of the way. Don't tell me later, afterwards, in a big paragraph, this is a comic. I want to see.
1: By the way, I still think it's absolutely absurd. It took, like, what, chapter four or five till the other main character is actually given a name? Yeah. Like, I kept reading, I was like, what the fuck is this dude's name? And I thought, maybe it's on purpose, they're just not giving him a name. And then they just name him off-cuff. Like, I was like, you could have done this on the first chapter, which you should have done.
2: Yeah, I accidentally saw the end of one of the chapters. I forgot how I was, like, looking at stuff somewhere else. And it said, like, Koichi's Magic Trick Corner. And I was like, oh, okay, the kid's obviously Koichi, just like Koichi for part- Okay, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I could see the editors leaning on him. It's just like, you're already saying that you're not going to tell us what BT's real name is. You've got to name at least some of these characters.
0: Because I could totally see Araki being like, oh, it would be so cool if, like, I just didn't give this ma- this character a name. Because he's supposed to represent you, and that's why he doesn't have a name.
2: Exactly. And also, he's talking about, like, hey, like, this stuff, I shouldn't be telling you all this stuff. And the way he ends it in the last panel, it's like, Koichi's like, yeah, those were uh five incidents. I'd love to tell you more, but someone might kill me. All right, bye! <laughs> the last chapter, the Statue of Libert- Liber- Oh, yeah, the statute of Limitations hasn't passed yet, so I feel hesitant of talking about this.
1: I love that. I thought that was the cutest shit. That was so good. (laughs) To go back though into negatives, I also want to say this series really, really ramped up way too fast in tone. They go from fucking doing magic tricks and dumb shit to fighting Nazis that are actually trying to like torture and kill them
0: to having to also like deal with child molesters. There's a few child molesters in this series, actually. All the adults are pretty terrible. Araki fucking hates adults. It's such a good, like, cornerstone of a lot of JoJo's stuff. I mean, like, if you rewatch Phantom Blood and other stuff, authority figures are fucking useless. You know? Like, George Joestar is fucking useless.
2: And the second they become useful, they get killed.
0: (laughs) Exactly. In the same way here, it's like, the adults exist to abuse their authority. Even when the kid gets stabbed by his friend, what they immediately show camp counselors being like, don't tell anyone, do you have any idea what this Due to the reputation of the camp it's like shh
2: don't talk about that think about the camp's reputation this kid has a knife in him like (laughs) (laughs) he got stabbed in the gut yeah that's like i was not on board with bt at the beginning because it's just like the hornet and the kid getting stabbed was just too much bt like going toe-to-toe with like corrupt adults that's cool
0: I think when you're closer to childhood, you remember the powerlessness of being a child, which is what I think Araki
2: really taps into here. Yeah, he was 83 when he wrote the- 23, sorry. 23 when he wrote this
1: Big difference oh he might iraqi's immortal so i wouldn't yeah know. anyway <laughs> i feel like we're getting a little off track about things now that we're talking about iraqi's immortality the last minor gripe i had was also the fact that he tried to do non-linear storytelling in a 30 page manga and i'm sure that there's a time and place where that's really creative but it just seemed completely pointless for the date or however you pronounce his name <laughs> story arc, where they literally like jump ahead five minutes and then go back and I was like, why did you do that?
2: Dante rules. <laughs> yeah, they start off with them like planning out a revenge scheme. And then just like a few pages later, it's like, this is what happened earlier. It's like, what was the point? <laughs> but they barely tell you anything about the revenge scheme because they also keep most of that secret. Uh, so it's all just very confusing.
0: Can I just read the page where they talk about Date and introduce who he is to the reader? Yes. I know how you feel, but Date? Perfect grades, musical ability to the likes of Paul McCartney, and as handsome as James Dean, class president, leader of the Kendo Club, nobody dares defy him. He's got Woody Allen's humor. That's not H-12. In Tiny
2: Text, they have a little joke that he
0: does. The joke says, my button lost his shirt. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. It's all about the delivery. It's all about the delivery. I guess so. He's probably like, my button lost his shirt. You know, you know, like the weird way that Woody Allen talks. Japanese Woody Allen is the guy who wrote Rurouni Kenshin. But anyway. Oof. Not wrong. That's true. That's true. Yeah, fuck Woody Allen. But that was a uh, very funny way of explaining that. And that was so rocky too. That was kind of like the one big instance of references in this manga.
2: No, there's another uh, instance of way more references later on. Ooh, what am I missing? You didn't notice all the crates?
1: Yeah, it's a reference to uh, how Indiana Jones had crates in it.
2: Crates are all labeled with bands that he was listening to at the time that would later be uh, referenced in part one.
1: What?! I think it's really great, <laughs> more like great that you noted all these references, but I think it'll be best in the miscellaneous thoughts section. Speaking of things that are great, Tucker, what were some things that stood out to you as positives for the series?
2: So, something I thought I really liked about this, of course we talked about BT previously, he's kind of fucked up, but I like just how not the normal Shonen protagonist, how just far out of left field he is for your typical Shonen protagonist. He has no powers, he's not particularly strong at all, he never physically fights anyone really, he never defeats anyone in a physical uh, contest of strength. He basically depends entirely on his mind, and he isn't a goody-two-shoes, but he's not entirely a bad guy either. He obviously cares very much about his friends. He cares very much about justice in his own weird way. Typically, he has a blind spot towards like things that he wants to do and personally wants, but whenever there's someone like a bully, someone is abusing their authority or abusing their strength, he tries to do what he can To bring them down and make them pay for that. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's also just a weird guy to be around. He has these an endless amount of tricks. Also his fashion sense, he drips. Oh yes. It's true. Towards the end, he like the you see Araki revving up the his fashion senses and start Oh yeah. A lot of the stylistic costume appearances and also like the little geometric arrow patterns and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, he has depth to him. He absolutely does. In a way that like you wouldn't expect. The art grew on me. It almost reminds me of Astro Boy. Also, like I wanted to say, speaking of the art, um, I mentioned it on the Chibi episode. Did I- oh I already mentioned this the <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> I already said that here. This North Star changed everything. It changed everything. I really like how the cathartic way in which BT e. acts is interesting. We gotta talk about the time where he showed these magic tricks that make you lose your pulse. Yeah, you with the ping pong ball? Yeah, they try and trick a kid into uh, thinking he killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah,
1: by using a ping pong ball and like putting paper over his chest so when they try and listen to his heart or feel his pulse you don't get anything and it's great that he checked in the exact specific way that BT needed him to
0: check that he was alive like he didn't do like the breathing on a mirror thing at all. The cool thing about Araki's art is that in addition to any kind of three dimensionality of the hair like that's there beneath that the core thing about Araki's art is the dynamic posing you know people talk about Jojo pose Jojo pose all that as like a joke and it does look very awkward sometimes but it's always very like dynamic it always grabs your eye it always implies action it always like leads you play Faces, and that aspect of his art is very much here
2: and we see some proto jojo posing so in one chapter bt has the finger of death where he does like a prototypical Jotaro pose. <laughs> yeah, he does. And like at the very last chapter, I think the very I really wanted this thing to keep going. We'll talk about this more, but like the last chapter, we see a lot of the stylistic stuff start to manifest itself more clearly. The intro, the very first panel, like the chapter title intro, has just it straight up looks just straight out of JoJo. It's BT in the super elaborate costume, doing this really cool dynamic pose, and then they introduce the the shit the freckle kid's shitty ass family. And they're all doing Jojo poses.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) That house they're in reminded me a lot of, the, ha- of like the Higashikata's house in Jojo Part 8.
2: And also that whole storyline was borrowed later for Koichi with, uh, forgot whatever, the guy who had this lock stand and tries to extort his parents by making them guilty about a uh, fake in, by Koichi fake injuring him. He kind of reuses that idea in, like, uh, you know, adapts it for Jojo and has, like, a stand involved in it. But you can definitely see, like, especially for Part 4 Araki, Part 2 and Part 4 Araki dipping back into the Cool Shock BT way. Yeah. The more
0: I talk about it here, and the more I I listen to you guys bringing this stuff up, I really do feel like part four is the one that's very clearly most influenced by this. Not even just in the sense of like, oh, you know, they're in the place based on Araki's hometown, and there's a guy named Koichi, but even just the fact that, like, part four is where Araki started to completely like, strip out, like, the punching. The
2: fist of the North Starness, yeah.
0: Exactly, like, the fist of the North Star stuff. People got smaller, they stopped being as like muscle-bound, they weren't like these unstoppable bullet sponges like they were in the previous three JoJo's, all of a sudden they are they have like the durability of, well, not really a normal person, it's still JoJo. It becomes much more about mind games and much more about like tricks and stuff, you know?
2: Yeah. And there's a little bit of that in early JoJo's, like the final battle of part one, Jonathan trying to figure out how to counteract Dio's freezing powers and stuff like that and using the environment to his advantage that way. But yeah, it wasn't until like part three and into part four where Araki really figures it out. It just like the direction I was going in Cool Shot BT, we're going fully in that direction and we're not going to stop.
0: Yeah, because like the early Jojo powers are just things that make you stronger in a Dragon Ball sense. This one does fire. This one just makes your punches stronger. This one helps you survive when X, Y, and Z happens. Sword dude. Yeah, exactly. And then after part four, it starts being like, no, this power actually makes you do something really weird. That doesn't seem super useful unless you do it in this really weird fucking way. It becomes much more about like shadow games after part three.
2: He makes it mystery based. seen a really cool, I forgot who it was, but did a thing where really important thing that Araki introduces into the into the shonen manga a sense of mystery into all of his fights, where they all start off with a mystery, or in fact sometimes the entire fight or battle is a mystery that the uh, main characters have to solve. That's a very good point. Yeah. And once you solve that mystery, it's usually not a ton of work after that.
0: Speaking back again as the positives in BT, I really love the way in which Araki is able to have these this manipulation happen, because a lot of it involves like basic psychology and trickery and sleight of hand. Like there's a point where um BT gets that creepy guard to like back off by just saying, Oh, you're covered in this chemical. Well, if I spray you with this chemical, you know what's gonna happen, right? That was great. The guard is like, oh shit, something bad is gonna happen, and then the narration comes in as like, nothing bad's gonna happen BT just said that to freak the guard out <laughs> I thought that was awesome <laughs> the dinosaur chapter I think just really
1: stands out as like heading above the rest everything he wanted to do with the series really worked out yeah we have BT doing mind games the things aren't insanely complicated so like he could explain them that was actually another thing I really liked about the series is Araki clearly did his homework yeah he had to hand some stuff where I think he wrote himself into a corner but when he actually knew what he was doing you could tell like the ping pong trick where like yeah that actually is pretty cool I might do that sometime and that's really I think what was cool is that you are taking away things that you could actually apply to your life like these are fun tricks you could do at a party because you've now read cool shock bt and you know about totally like the spoon trick that isn't even in the series he was just like here's something cool i learned about i love that i can make it look like a spoon is bending without bending it and i was like oh that might be something fun to just do if you like go get dinner with someone
0: It makes me really think, like, if I hung out with Araki at this time, Araki would just show me a bunch of magic tricks. I'm sure that's all he does, like,
1: when you go hang out with him. Like, the editor, he's like, oh, so what's the magic trick you learned
0: this week, Araki? (laughs) Well, this week, I read a lot about, uh, motorcycles, so my next JoJo character is gonna have, like, a motorcycle power. There's been at least two motorcycle stands. That's true, that's true. To get back into it, (laughs) as we're talking
1: about, though, uh, this series is just really campy fun. It's definitely not anything, really, I've read, like, before. It really does feel like someone who had this idea since they were a kid and they finally got shot. He talked about he had a really hard fight getting this series I made. Mean, I can see why. I love that. Yeah, I don't know if it really could have been that much more successful. We'll talk about that in the where it could have gone in just a few minutes. But overall, I think this series definitely had a lot of fun and creativity. It's just so unlike anything that really truly shows you where Araki started from. And he really hasn't deviated from this series either. If anything, he's gotten closer back to it since when he was probably at his most far away in part three, which is a shame because that's the most famous part. And that's what people think of Jojo. But
0: really, this is in the DNA of the series. This is Iraqi at his most unpolished and rudimentary, you know? Yeah, this is almost you can read this as an as a mission state, you know, like you read this and it's like, this isn't Iraqi's best work, but this is Iraqi.
1: It sounds like we could probably keep gushing about certain things. But why don't we move it to where we feel it could have gone and really talk about what we really wish we could have seen the series continue to do and what kind of elements we wish it would have changed if it had lived past six chapters. I'll lead the charge on this. So I know like I feel like it's a crutch to be like change the format, but I kind of feel like the ultimate form of this would have been if a Rocky had just made a like book about magic tricks. And then this was like the discussion framework where it's literally like the purpose of why Cool Shock BT exists is to show the magic tricks rather than it being like a gimmick of the manga. Like I would love to like learn about the rope trick and be like, here's a way that you could have done the rope trick with these characters that recur and then he can really do whatever he wants. He can be as experimental because it's really just more of a reference book and the comic is more something fun to read about how you can apply what you just learned.
0: I think that makes sense. That is a little bit what Araki started trying to do with certain parts of the series. It was interesting when it happened
2: basically I wanted is I wanted to keep going I don't think it should have ever been like a super long series but I really wish it could have at least gone a few more chapters and the way I would have taken it is we would have slowly revealed more about the grandma character yeah and eventually something would have happened to her BT and Koichi get roped into her whatever crazy life she has it's like a detective or a thief or something and they have to use all these tricks they've learned to try to save like rescue the grandma and like they get involved in this weird underbelly of like adult criminals and stuff like that and they have to like really like be on their toes and like bt and koichi have to navigate this together to try to rescue uh rescue the grandma that should have been like the last story arc at the very end Introduce maybe like a story arc that lasts a few chapters long but at the same time the series kind of did keep going it's just now it's called The spoke rohan kishibe
1: <laughs> that's fair
2: it has a very similar structure where it's like each of these things were like have a central, this weird central eccentric character who's kind of morally gray, Rohan. He's always bouncing off another character, uh, another character around him and he's having these ad- one-off adventures where a strange incident happens and it kind of wraps it up in one chapter. If he were to go back and make like a few chapters of Cool Shock BT, like close it out, have the grandma stuff close it out, but do it in like his modern art style and stuff like that, that would be really cool but like there's only probably like a handful of people who would like really be super into that. I don't think any editor would be really like, oh yeah bring back Cool Shock BT, but I don't know weirder things have happened.
1: I'm gonna fight you on that because I think if Iraqi was like hey, can we do, like, a Cool Shock BT, like, three-part OVA?
0: I think people would be like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it, because that would be fun. Yeah, Tucker, I totally agree with you. I think that the main plot would definitely have been around the grandma. I think it's very clear that that's where it was headed. I think the reason why we like that chapter in, in the museum so much is because that was the start of a plot. That was the first thing that basically said, hey, there's a story here that we're just hinting at at this moment, and that is where the grandma was. There's a lot of little vague hints throughout the story involving, like, um... Involving what happened with BT and BT's family. It's incredibly subtle. Like, one of the first things we see, the bully in the summer camp chapter, we're introduced to him because he goes up to kids and he's just like, Hey, really sorry to tell you, but I heard that your entire family died in a horrific fire last night. And freaking them out. And he goes up to tell BT this, and BT's like, yeah, I know. My family died in a horrific fire, I know. Obviously,
2: Araki had... Further plans for this.
0: Like, I think the way that it was going was that maybe, um, the grandma would continue manipulating BT until maybe she screwed up. Maybe BT got pissed at her.
2: I feel like the grandma was, like, training him. Like, was doing this stuff, like, to train him towards some further thing. Absolutely. Eventually, like, yeah, there was going to be something where some, like, bigger adventure, like... Like, BT and Koichi were going to have to, like, travel, like, do, like, this world-hopping adventure, like, yeah, they would have eventually gone to Egypt, they would have gone to New York, all these places that, of course, Araki, of course, interested in world travel, you later scratch that itch with Jojo.
1: By the way, do you think there was ever going to be a time where a BT buses Koichi or do you think he always was going to be completely loyal to, and by bus I mean like screw him over in some way to help himself out?
2: I think that's the line. Like remember in the last chapter where like BT bats away that puzzle that that kid gave him? You know how f- much BT fucking loves puzzles and tricks? He just swats it out of the way like, no, no more games. Because like the kid was like beating Koichi's dog. Oh, that is true.
0: I kind of disagree, though. I I can definitely see, like, maybe the climax of the overall story would be the main character going through a period where he's like, wait, BT, what the fuck? This is, like, fucked up, and then BT has to try and, like, get him back in some way. That would have been interesting.
2: Could have gotten presented with a chance to fuck over Koichi to save himself at some point, and that being, like, a big character moment for BT. Maybe it seems like he decides that at first, but then changes his mind, or maybe, like, we think he does a thing where we think he's fucked him over, but really... BT was like secretly had a counter plan where he was going to save uh, Koichi but it makes it look at first like he had fucked him over or something like that
1: that was 100% going to happen at some point where there was going to be a fight yeah that wasn't like a real fight and either planned in advance or it was like part of the game but I'm saying is there a time where legitimately he was going to screw over Koichi and not like in like a oh I have a way of getting him back like this like permanently damages our friendship kind of way I'm not sure Rocky would have done that
0: That doesn't feel like an Iraqi move
1: yeah you're right part five that was a little thing where he was a originally going to have Fugo betray them and then he just really didn't like that because he had like a friend backstab him, so Araki really doesn't like that as an element. Araki
0: had a friend backstab him?
2: In the manga volume he said that during the writing of part 5 he had someone in his life personally betray him. He's never specified what that is, who it was, but obviously it affected him very deeply and that's why a lot of part 5, the themes of loyalty and betrayal are so prevalent and originally Fugo was going to be a mole for the boss, mm. but then Araki liked the character so much and also do that to Naranja because I think Fugo was originally going to like kill Naranja or something. And so he just decided to write Fugo out. And also because Purple Haze was just way too freaking overpowered.
0: That makes so much sense. That's why Fugo is a useless character in the series. Oh wow. So
1: I think we've really started delving into some really kind of thoughts and I know we've really talked about a lot of different JoJo stuff but I know Tucker, you have done a ton of research and you have a lot of really great insights. So why don't we move to the thoughts where we'll do kind of like a Shonen Flop in Jr. where we really hear kind of like a little bit of your thoughts just about some little details that maybe we haven't brought up yet about the series.
2: Araki loves his references. He loves referencing any sort of thing that he's into at the moment especially as the manga goes on we see more and more references make it their way into here. Not as much as Jojo's but we do see it. In chapter 5 we see a room with a, a storage room with a bunch of crates in them and all the crates have labels on them that correspond to bands that Araki was into at the time and would later become character names in part 1. So we have a crate that's says T-O-M-P, and that's short for Tom Petty, a crate that says P-O-C-O, that's Poco, that's a band that is also uh, becomes the name of the little kid in part one, and we have R-E-O, which is the name of R-E-O Speedwagon, which is another band, of course, which names the character Speedwagon, whom everyone loves.
1: (laughs) The best girl of JoJo.
2: We have multiple references to the director John Landis. John Landis was the director of Kentucky Fried Movie. I love that movie. National Lampoon's Animal House, Blues Brothers, and American werewolf in london probably those last two had just come out before the start of cool shock bt so that's probably why araki was so into that and even made koichi sit in a director's chair that said john landis on it at the dinner table and also there's a refrigerator that says tom and jerry Tom and Jerry was actually super huge in Japan. It was broadcast on TV like back in the 60s and 70s in Japan and became a huge hit and was even voted in 2005 by a poll by TV Asahi as being the 58th best anime of all time. <laughs> and also another uh, fun thing is that Part 4 and Cool Shock BT both end in the same way with... Ambulance Coon winning the day.
1: Oh yes, the final villain is defeated by being hit by an ambulance. That's
2: true. <laughs> I don't know if you notice this, but the proportions are really fucking weird sometimes. And if you uh, notice in the Nazi chapter, whenever that uh the big dope picks up Koichi in his hands, his forearms are literally thicker than Koichi's body.
1: Yeah, that's just a rocket. <laughs> Have you seen part 3? The 6 foot 5 17 year
2: old? You seen part 1? He gets better at that stuff later, but some of the but some of the stuff like JoJo's Koichi gets real short there later on, especially like in part 5 and stuff. He gets real short. Character in part 6 is also insanely short. The kid? Yeah, Emporio.
1: I mean, Emporio is literally a child.
2: Yeah, but I mean, he's, like, really short. He's supposed to be 12, but he's, like, 4-year-old size.
1: Oh, I thought he was, like, 4 feet tall. You might be right. Actually, yeah, that's pretty short for a 12-year-old. Well, he has a- I mean, going to the gym shrinks your growth, so Araki he- might have actually done his research.
2: And he's built, like, a baby Greek god
1: Araki can draw normal children now because he was really forced to learn how for part eight Mm. tucker i really appreciate that that was a lot of really interesting insight i'm gonna say you guys are right i think part four is definitely the most cool shock bt but joseph is the character that is the most distinctively inspired by cool shock bt because he literally does a lot of the bullshit bt does
2: I thought of BT as a mix between Giorno and a Joseph, because Jorno has a thing where he's like, he cares about his friends and like doing what's right, but he's also super vindictive and cold and can do awful things to people he thinks deserve it.
1: That makes sense. Like Jorno is the, is the Jojo that's most like willing to just flat out kill someone. Oh yeah,
2: banana gun. Yeah, I could totally see BT doing the banana gun trick. If like maybe if he just like the knob on the morally gray scale, we're just like a little bit to the other side.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And then actually that brings me to the last thing I wanted to bring up for miscellaneous spots is, so, BT was to have a stand.
0: What would the name of his stand be? He almost already has a stand. It's the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. He's carrying around this ventriloquist dummy that will just talk sometimes, and it's kind of left up to the reader to determine if that's BT talking through him or if the ventriloquist dummy is actually talking.
2: Mm -hmm. And at the very end of the chapter, they reveal that the ventriloquist dummy had uh, recording equipment inside of it that was part of BT's plot, but it got broken, which fucked up his plan. Oh, was that what
0: was happening? I was confused by that.
1: Yeah, they had it all planned out. But readers, you can check out Cool Shock BT if you want to see this really confusing incident that had to do with the least cared about concussion in manga history, as Jordan talked about in his plot description. Oh, yeah. It's the 80s. Concussions don't do shit. So, that Jordan, so what
0: would you say then be the name of his stand? Oh, man. Oh, I gotta think of, like, what's, like, a cool thing that's, like, a dummy or something. Like, oh, 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 I got it. I got it. Guided by
1: voices. Ooh, that's pretty good. Mine was similar where I was with you, where I said Master of Puppets. (laughs) Master!
2: Yeah, I was thinking the best name would be Cheap Trick, but unfortunately that's Taken. Araki Yuzan Part 4. So in lieu of that, I thought It's Tricky or just calling it Tricky off of the Run DMC song.
0: That's not bad. That's not bad at all, actually.
1: I would say you are 100% right. If Cheap Trick hadn't been used, that is 1 billion percent a Rocky would have named his Stand Cheap Trick. Yeah. But you got to work with what you got, you know? Now let's get into the final verdict. So let's start off with our six-word summary. I'll go first. Mine was, what if Dio was Tom Sawyer? Because mm. it's literally it, where he's like this really smart kid. He's an asshole. He's got poor morals. And he's really fine with manipulating people into what he wants. Like, a lot of the shit Tom Sawyer does, like, with tricking people into painting the fence and stuff, I could have seen BT do that. I could see that i can see that
2: yeah i only read huckleberry finn and he just shows up the very end so
1: tom <laughs> sorry that's gonna be my uh, recommendation if i thought this was a flaw <laughs> read this 1984 book we're going we have the furthest difference in release date between what i recommend on this manga yeah and i thought dan recommending the mandalorian was a stretch, stretch. Like, here's a book you might have read in eighth grade all right <laughs> jordan how about you what's your sixth word summary behold my stand cheap parlor tricks <laughs> That's really good. I like that. How about you, Tucker?
2: Bullies fuck around and find out. Ooh, that's,
1: oh man, this is, this is a really good, this is a really good week for six word summaries. Like Jordan's like, damn, David didn't
0: even cheat with
1: him. <laughs> yeah, totally, you did it. Hell yeah. We're all growing through the process. <laughs> I had actually a few other drafts that did require cheating, but then this I hit this, this one came to me like last night. I was like, oh, that's pretty good actually. So in terms of flop or not, I, as much as I think people should read Tom Sawyer, I actually think this is an art instance where I wouldn't say it's a flop if you grade it on a curve. This came out in 1982 and things are pretty different. Like he had to make this series without even being being able to read, research things online, which definitely crippled his ability to think of material, and like he had no ability to digitally do things with backgrounds and stuff, so it was just a different time, and he had limitations of the material he could even talk about as we discussed, so I actually think this is a fun read, especially because it's six chapters, so it's worth spending the 10 minutes to read Cool Shock B to get the experience of seeing where did Araki really come from.
2: I would agree with that. I would say it's not a flop. At the very beginning, I was kind of leaning towards like a soft flop, because like I said, like BT just (laughs) did not sit well with me at the very beginning, and I'm just like, man, Araki, he got... way better at writing likable main characters later on but as the series progressed like I I feel like he got a better sense of writing BT and I like really like warmed up to the series as a whole and I thought it really could have kept going at least for a couple more chapters and they could have done like I said ended it all with like a longer storyline centered around the grandma and stuff like that and having more of BT's backstory be revealed in his family and stuff like that so I would say not a flop I think it's I I do recommend especially if you like Jojo's it'll really give you a good sense of where Rocky came from before he just went fool Araki.
0: I would agree. This is not a flop. This series kicks ass. I actually really liked it. Like, um, it's goofy. It's qu- it's a quick read. There's, like, some interesting characters. There's, like, a lot of interesting, like, morality and stuff. It's definitely not, like, pretty much anything I've ever read in terms of manga. This is the most Iraqi. Araki. Like, no one could make a series like Cool Shock. Yeah. The only thing it reminded me of, um, this is obviously like, I recommend it so this wouldn't but this is also a suggestion. You guys ever heard of my friend Dahmer? No. No. The basic premise is there's this guy named Kerf Durf who's like a well-known comic book artist. And it turns out that when he was a kid, he went to high school with Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. Yeah. So when I would hang out with Dahmer, this is what he was like. And just the way that that manga, that, that manga, the way that that comic is set up and the way that those characters are laid out reminded me of like how Cool Shock BT is set up, where you have like this mild mannered pov character talking about this friend of his who's like fucking nuts that sounds pretty great
2: you know another thing that if people like bt's they could also read of course thus spoke rohan kishibe which is the spin-off of jojo's bizarre adventure that has a pretty similar sort of sort of structure is this
1: I actually was on a podcast called Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, where you can hear me talking about the Rohan OVAs. They're all on Netflix. They're all great. They are dubbed, if that's what you're into. But Jordan, let's do this real quick. Is this the best thing we have ever?
0: Made? Um, I don't think so. It's honestly up there. And like the, the amount of love that I have for it, especially for how it connects to Iraqi, means that like I really love this series. But it's, you know, it's not super fair to compare that to Mora King in that sense. It's not like there's a later manga that the Mora King guy wrote. Where we're like oh I can see how oh this is so interesting you can use this as a cipher to learn about the artist so it's kind of unfair for me to say that this manga is like the best we've read I don't think it is either but like it's up there I would totally agree
1: and I also would assume, because without that saying, this is not as good as Chainsaw Man, but you gotta respect where Rocky came from. Are you guys ready to go to shout outs? Yeah. I want to give props to Jordan for making the opening ending theme and being a great co-host. Props to Jennifer for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Art by Toast. And Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Unfortunately, this and our next episode are going to be the last two episodes with Jennifer, but we have a really great artist lined up afterward. She was someone Jennifer recommended to us, so we're really excited. Jennifer, unfortunately, doesn't have the time anymore to work on the show, but we wish her the Best, and you guys should still, as always, check out her work. She was absolutely fantastic to work with. Tucker, I really want to thank you for being on the show. Where can they find you and your work?
2: I work on Shonen Flop Gaiden, which is a companion series to this where I delve into further detail about topics related to the show. Previously, I did a whole thing about vampires in Japan and Japan's love affair with vampires and how that changed over time. Lots of boy love in there. I did a whole thing about insect fighting last time I attempted to do something about pandemics but it went terribly terribly wrong so listen to that if you want to hear that (laughs) but yeah I'm doing all sorts of cool stuff I'm doing more video components as a part of it it's all on the shonen jump shonen flop youtube channel please subscribe to that if you're not and if we get more subscribers maybe we'll put some more nonsense on the youtube channel as well hell yeah might start doing some more stuff on the discord server pretty soon in the future yeah you can also find me at at tucker whatley on twitter that's T-U-C-K-E-R W-H-A-T-L-E-Y no punctuation and you can also find uh, my portfolio of past work writing and stuff I've done at www.tuckerwhatley.com no punctuation spelled exactly the same I've done a lot of writing about the video game industry and VR and film and stuff like that a lot for the Austin Chronicle but also other stuff <laughs> that's great
1: stuff great stuff the best stuff and then I also want to thank Miriam, Nicole, and Audie for helping with social media and then as Tucker mentioned if you haven't yet join the follow show- Discord. Come hang out with us, talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a book club and regular movie nights. It sounds like Tucker's going to be creating some more additional awesome community stuff. You can find a link to it in our link tree in our bio. And I also want to give a reminder if you've been enjoying the show, please like, rate, review, and share it. It really helps us a ton. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Flopcast, or our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: And I'd also just like to thank David for uh, putting the podcast together and editing He does good
1: work thanks David it's a lot of fun even if some some episodes are more challenges than others but you know we do it for the art and then I just want to turn it to shout outs where we're a bit promo heavy but first I want to give a shout out to Crash Place a great podcast about horror and thrillers check them out at the last knock horror podcast on Spotify and iTunes and you can find them at crash microphones and monsters is a Cthulhu D&D actual play with a balance of horror mystery and comedy our story begins in a 1920s magitech noir setting we follow the story of Alistair
0: that power is very much something that I need and I don't want that to stop.
1: Victor. I don't think I want to help you. And Julian. It's burning. What happened here? Can't see the light of day. As they come face to face with elder chores. (laughs) Go to microphonesandmonsters.com or listen wherever podcasts are found.
0: Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove Podcast. My name is Ross, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our Jamie jams so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove Podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today.
1: Hey, Omar here, resident tailweaver and CEO of Atala D20s. ATOD is a tabletop RPG podcast network currently hosting two amazing shows the comedy, The Natural Ones, where we follow Gris, Ang, and Hugh as they traverse the original world of the Roseland, and the drama, Descent Into the Void, where King, Cal, Monaco, Duran, and Horatio journey through the multi to save the realms from darkness. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Twitter at a tale of d20s on Facebook, Facebook.com slash tale of d20s, or at atail ofdwenties.com. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This
0: has been Jordan. This has been Tucker. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping floppers.